you kiss your fancy ales You can drink them by the flagons But the only proof that we've been true Come from Tinkos Tavern Welcome to Heroes Brew The official podcast of Tinkos Tavern Your local pub at the OSR Evening, folks, and welcome to episode two of Heroes Brew. I'm James. Yay, that, James! That's Eric, and Glenn's over in the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cr- I'm crotchety tonight, so you folks have to me. I'm grumpy, so we're here. Let's talk about gaming. I, I'm happy. Uh, Sleepy's over I'm, there. I'm I'm sneezy. Boozy or or boozy? Is there is there a dwarf called boozy? I want to be boozy. Uh, although I will, I, I'm going to have to make the true confession. I am, I am not drinking alcohol. I'm drinking uh, Mountain Dew, Black Cherry uh, Kickstarter, and I'll probably move on uh, to ginger beer when I get more ginger beer. Oh, well, you, you're, you're drinking Ma- Mountain Dew Black Cherry Kickstarter, so you're going to drink it, and then you're going to trash it in your blog later? Well, no, I'm not going to trash. I, I, well, you I, said it was a Kickstarter. You said it was a Kickstarter. Oh, it's a Kickstarter. Oh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't follow that. Where's oh, my, my drummer? I, I, you know, I, I, yeah. Wow, I got to fall on the sword in that one because I really screwed up. That, that was here. I'm laying this out for you, Eric. It's a great line, huh? Huh? That's okay. It happens. Oh, yo, I can tell you a story of Saber Die, but anyway, I won't. Uh, so, Oh, we're just, we're doing various and sundry. I don't think, we don't have any emails because nobody looked at the emails box. But I can look at the emails box. I'm, I'm, I'm lazy, but, I, you know, I can still look. Hold on. Sure, if you're you're not busy being grumpy. Sure. Oh, by the way, I want to start I'm telling always... you new. I, I'm going I'm to, since we did this last I'm going to go, hi, Vince. Hi. Sorry, I just had to do that. No, he already, we already said happy birthday. No, I know. Well, happy birthday plus two weeks. Okay. Okay. Oh, and by the way, um, guys at the uh, the, the uh, Royal Mandicorian Navy, you're welcome. They were tickled pink that we mentioned them last show. And I'll mention them again. The Royal Mandicorian Navy in Austin, Texas, where it's not flooding. Wow. But they, don't, but they, they can't flood because they're landbound. I still don't understand that. I still need to be explained how they have a Royal uh, whatever Navy in, in Austin. Hey, doesn't the Swiss doesn't the Swiss have a navy too? <laughs> uh, uh, they, they could. I'm not Swiss, so yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. They're landlocked, so. <laughs> all right, all right. So you're telling me technicalities, technicalities. I'll have to accept right. the technicalities. Hey, while we're waiting for James, why don't you talk about what's going on in Kickstarter land? Oh, well, well no, I, just, I can't do Kickstarter land until you give me the drum roll. <laughs> All right, you want the did it, did it, This is a Kickstarter report by Eric Tenkar. Hello, folks. Eric Tenkar reporting from Kickstarter land. We have the following, which I'm not going to keep talking in this same voice because I'll have to kill myself if I do. So here I am, back to my normal voice. Mine is a terrible thing to waste. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. Well, listen, this may or may not be time-friendly for those with this episode because it might... And beforehand, but the Game Master's Apprentice, a fantasy deck for any RPG, looks like a great way to, uh, uh, dare I say, kickstart your uh, creative abilities when you're looking to uh, get an adventure idea or an encounter idea. However, it will be available on uh, one bookshelf 
<clears throat> there are previous uh, decks in the series that are available already, but uh, I, I got to say this looks really good, and uh, I will kick myself if I don't back the project. It is uh, you're, you're backing for print-on-demand access. So $25 would give you the PDFs and all the original Game Master Apprentice decks uh, print-on-demand at cost at RPG Now. That's number one. So you're going to kick yourself. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, of course, I lost a tab of another another one in the midst of this. Oh, my God, it was cool, too. I had really cool... uh, uh, terrain. Uh, well, maybe I'll look it up later and figure out what I've lost. Um, here, one not to back. It's called Rage the Storytelling RPG, and what I love about this one, okay, which I haven't done a what not to back one yet, but uh, what makes Rage different, and I'm going to give you a quick reading here. The rules vary from other RPGs in many ways. There are no character levels. That is like everything that isn't D&D, has no character levels, so okay, that's nothing new. Instead, you use skills and abilities to progress the story, like RuneQuest and Call of Cthulhu and uh, what Warhammer and uh, Traveler of oh, and Fate and Fate, yes, and Fate. <laughs> Star uh, Wars Fantasy Flight, Star Wars. D6, yeah, you know, yeah. Shadow, Shadow Run. There are no classes. Okay, again, that's the vast majority. Okay, you know, GURPS. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, but you, but you don't have classes. You do That's have right. You're tight. They don't have classes. The combat system involves actively rolling to block attacks. I could, that again is RuneQuest. Star Wars D6. Star Wars D6. It could be Fate. I don't know Fate well enough. For Fate may have it. It may not have it. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. You know. You know. You yeah. go against. Them. Rating so, falls under all these categories. Oh yeah. So i I read this and it's like. Yeah, you're right. You're not like any RPG as long as not any RPG is not D&D. Because you're basically quoting from every other RPG out there. So yeah, that is uh, Ray's historic telling RPG. But uh, don't worry, uh, they're not going to fund. And if they do, it's because they're selling t-shirts and buttons. Because it's not for the game. Uh, that's not good. Hey, Eric, uh, do, do me a favor and type in the uh, password. What? Type in the email password for James. Oh bloody hell! I remember. Oh, nice. I I lost that sticky Profe- on professional show for us right here. Yeah, there we go. Right, right, down the password. Pro- pro- uh, professional po- professional podcaster. Bagels, maybe. <laughs> Some thinkers, heroes, brews, something or other. I don't remember. I, I, we'll, I have no. We'll figure it out by next time. We'll we figure it out next time. But I'm sure there's plenty of people who are just cheering us on out there. Oh, rah, they're, like, they're like these people are professional. Professional what? We don't know, but we're certainly working at it. Right. All right, last one I'm going to highlight here is uh, Superhero 2044. Oh, they're doing a new version with miniatures. Now, yes, I remember. <laughs> you know, uh, here's the deal. I remember Superhero 2044 from back in the day. Uh, and I found it to be an interesting game. We never played it, but we stole concepts and character types for the few times we played other superhero role-playing games. But uh, 2044, the RPG, with miniatures. With miniatures is not a selling point. 
No, uh, it's not. It, it is not because theater of the mind goes out of the window, and I really think that very few people. I could be wrong. I just can judge from the people I know that very few people are looking to play this superheroes game uh, while moving around miniatures. And by the way, everybody wants their superhero to look like they imagine it. So doesn't happen in D and D. No, but you know, especially when it comes to superheroes, you have that like he's got a blue costume with uh, a purple question mark in the middle of his chest. And they got the golden cape with the uh, big buttons on the side and a flap for the diaper in the back. I mean, we used to use to, uh, I used tokens for DD. We used to use to- champions. You know, you can make your own token and put whatever the hell you want on it. I was, I was right. thinking about the way characters look in RPGs. And if you think about the way a mid to high level DD character would look, yeah. they would look like a cheap magic shop threw up on a person because I'm wearing this <laughs> helmet I found in one dungeon, this same chain mail I found three levels later, a pair of gloves that are made of soap, an elven cloak, a pair of boots made out of dragon skin. It would just be Seven, like, Jesus. Wait, 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 you forget in the four different swords, three different daggers, you know, a handful of maces, two bows. And this, and this bag of marbles I found so. Right, the bag of marbles they refuse to give up because one day, damn it, it's going to save their life in a chase. That's right. Dude, I've used marbles to do that, but yes, they will. Marbles rock! But uh, here's the deal. Uh, they're asking $100,000 for this Kickstarter to fund. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. How many, asking... previously, how many previously backed and they previously funded? Uh, you know, that makes too much sense for me to actually... Uh, wait, four created. Prior. How, many, how, many, how many successfully funded though? Well, hold on, let me check. Because that, that to me is a big benchmark of, of actually, you know, let's see how many of you back, right. basically how experienced are you, because then you can get a sense of somebody's follow-through. All right, well, let's go through this one. Monstra, Zombie Destroyer, funding unsuccessful, 622-2013. The Windstorm McCray Project. Uh, funding on this project ended unsuccessfully on February 1st, 2014. So, let's move up to the Windsor McRae Project relaunch. It was so good, we did it twice, and guess what? It didn't fund. 4-13-2014. So, these were all comics, and that's why he's obviously going for a tabletop RPG that's based on a comic. Well, you see... You know, as far I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail you there. No, no, you've got a lot, dude. I we we don't believe in uh, sticking to the rails in this podcast, dude. We that's are right, a sandbox. That's right. Anyway, um, when I was talking about as far as miniatures go, that's neither here nor there for for superheroes. I have a fundamental problem with the miniatures because uh, I think somebody made a point over in the live Tinker's Tavern the other night that. Projects with miniatures tend to do really poorly because it seems like a Kickstarter that's doing an RPG has a really good chance of funding. So does a Kickstarter with just miniatures, but you put them together, and that seems to be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's not like your Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Um... Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at but look at Reaper. They're they're successful in miniatures, no problem. And uh, uh, um, Troll Lord. They do great right. role play games through Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna liken it to taking beer and oh I don't know like strawberry ice cream 
and think yeah. you can mix the two together or yeah. serve them together. I mean, I don't know hit. why it's. I don't know why it's that. Um, well, you think it'd be unnatural. But, but even but. even the ones that listen, there is the exception is going to prove the rule. Zach Glazer, when he had lesser lesser known games, did two successful box sets. He which did, had, which had miniatures. Uh, the the man is an amazing project manager. He priced it down to the T. He did it successfully. Anton, the man's great. Now that being said, there those of you who uh, like me are still waiting on uh, one of the judges' guild uh, kickstarters for mm-hmm. uh, the Wilderlands and the City State. Uh, that was one that brought in miniatures. Here's, right. here's where I see it as a problem. The pricing of miniatures and the pricing of books is totally separate. And when people are backing for the miniatures, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fund your 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 the books. I mean, the the the, the profit margin on the two has to be huge. Huge. Well, it has to yeah. be very. The difference between the two has to be huge. And the investment in miniatures, you got to get somebody to make this stuff for you. It's not like you're just reaching out to a you know a book printer. You got to find somebody who's going to make the molds. You got to find your sculptors. Um, they work much better as separate Kickstarters. And I think that the reason why you're seeing a hundred thousand dollar goal here is because you've thrown in the miniatures. Now the miniatures right. on this uh, Kickstarter page look mm. great. I, I'm not going to say that they uh, what they're showing here mm. looks awesome. However. It's going to be a huge sink in time. I mean, and we're also forgetting the center stage miniatures. Uh, that's was, the first thing I think. Every time I see an RPG with miniatures, that's the first thing I think of is Tome of Horror miniatures. I mean, uh, and I could do a, I could probably, if I got my notes together, do a whole episode on that because mm-hmm. I, I got to uh, talk to... Uh, you know, uh, Bill from Paysetter Games, and because uh, he picked up the the rights and is trying to do right by people, but mm. basically, what happened with that Kickstarter and it happens with various Kickstarters is so the warning sign is if you see a Kickstarter for a product and then it's quickly followed after funding by a second Kickstarter, you might be seeing something where somebody is raising money with a second Kickstarter to actually fulfill the first because. They don't, you know, that new math they're teaching in schools for the last 20 years uh, yeah. maybe isn't really good math because these people are having real problems making their numbers work. So, it's, it's called it's called the Ken technique. No, well, it's also called the stretch goals can kill your project technique. Exactly. That's why you got to be very careful about your stretch goals. I mean, if, if you're really... If you're not experienced at running a Kickstarter, if it's your first one and you want to play with stretch goals, here's my uh, unsolicited advice from uh, your your good old crotchety uh, uncle Tenkar sitting at the corner of the bar on his uh, fifth beer and his bucket of chips in front of him. Um, keep your stretch goals in PDF because, yes, you might have to spend time writing a product and laying out and finding art assets. But you're not having to pay print, and you're not having to pay to ship. So if you're going to do stretch goals and you're not experienced at this uh, PDF, right? At least goes. for the first one. Uh, maybe for the second one, but really, because print the print cost no. 
eats yeah. up your 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 profit margin. And the whole thing is, people think that I'm doing this Kickstarter. I need ten thousand dollars on it. Woo-hoo! No, you didn't. After uh, they take away the fees for uh, Kickstarter and their payment fees, you're down to about nine thousand. Woohoo! Taxman comes in. Oh wait, you, you, you're you're not incorporated. So you're actually this is personal income. All right, so now you yeah. Woohoo! Oh shit! Yeah, no, the taxman goes woohoo. Woo-hoo. Yeah, you go. Oh, we'll just bend me over, right? So now, you, so now you're lucky. You're down to six grand. Wait, you 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 actually included shipping in the cost. You didn't make it like an extra thing. Well, guess what? Shipping is never what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, have fun again. And there you go. Um, I know that there's something else you can do, kind of to offset this. And I I saw Jeff Delanian do this. You know who runs really, really, really good, very small scale, very quiet Kickstarters? Pete Spawn. Pete? Yes. He yes. does little like thousand dollar or five hundred dollar Kickstarters. He does just enough to fund his product, and his uh-huh. rewards are typically at cost of, of the product that he sends links out when it's available and free PDFs. And he goes to his friends in the community and asks them to help him out. And he is just he really knows how to run. If you're if you're new to Kickstarter and you really really want to do one. Look up Pete Spawn's Kickstarters. You know, there's a lot of people you can point to and say, this is how not to do a Kickstarter. But I know at least three or four people I can point to and say, that's the way to do a Kickstarter. And he's one of them. You know who else does awesome Kickstarters? Kevin Chevenier. Yep. Kevin Chevenier, those blue blue dungeon tiles, Mm -hmm. it was great. He was a a little off schedule. He kept everybody in the He told people what was going on. When he delivered, he delivered. And he had all his T's crossed and I's dotted. It was it was a sight to behold, as far as I'm concerned. Also, um, Greg Gillespie, author of Barrow Maze. Yes, he does. A well, Kickstarter. He, he, I know he does Indiegogo more than Kickstarter. But. No, his second one, he did a straight up Kickstarter when he did oh, okay. the, the, the 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 big mod he's working on now. That's totally escaping the Forbidden uh-huh. Tomb of Acarista or something. Uh huh. I forget, right. I forget what it's called because I'm angry and tired. But Aww, give you a hug. No, don't. If you touch me, I'll break your neck. Um, <laughs> you can try. And I want to throw one other name in as we're talking about this again. And this is for smaller kickstarts. Like we're talking about Pete Venger Santanis. He yeah, always gets them out on time. Uh, he sources uh, amazing uh, artwork. I mean, and he's not going for any high, you know, like he's not looking to raise $25,000, $100,000. How is your first successful Kickstarter going to bring in $100,000? Who's, I, I'm, yeah, God. No one thinks you're that cool. Stop it. <laughs> you know? Okay. Right. Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I was just saying, uh, Doug uh, Cole just, from just, uh, uh, Gaming uh, Ballistic, he put out the uh, Dungeon Grappling as a, a Kickstarter because he needed to learn the process and this was a smaller product that he could put out and, and, and he's learned, I've talked to Doug and he pops into uh, the Tavern's Discord channel and talks a lot about the process. And um, it's amazing to see like the behind the scenes uh, 
work. But like he said, he goes, who would trust me for, you know, if I'm asking you for $100,000 and I've done nothing to get you to deserve your money, why would you give it? I have no track record. He goes, build a track record and, and build it for yourself. You know? I also, I think you need to know yourself personally. For example, I cannot imagine a circumstance where I personally would ever use a crowdfunding source for a Battle Rider Games project because I am entirely too ADHD. And so if I set myself a deadline and I miss it, then I've just wrecked my entire reputation. Okay. Well, you know, I want to wrap this up to just, I previously wanted to mention something Jeff Talanian did, which would be a good idea for a lot of the starters in the, out there who either like drown in stretch goals or miscalculate the shipping or the size. He, he, finished the Astonishing Swordsman Kickstarter, and then he offered people to pre-buy after all the Kickstarters were, were done. Did he? Yes. Damn it, I wish I'd you done still, that. You can still do but But the nice thing about it, the people who did the Kickstarter locked in. The people who buy pre-orders, get pre-orders, he just came out with an email saying, the book is now grown to like 615 pages. Damn. And he had to up the price 10 bucks. So I understand I'm that. In. I'm locked in. Yeah, you drop your I, ice yeah. cream. You drop your ice cream. I mean, he even hit me up for another thirteen bucks about a few months ago to cover. You know, he miscalculated the shipping. Okay, he's keeping us. But you know, offering it on the you know is a good way to like keep yourself on track. And if anything unforeseen happens, it's going to hit the people who are doing the pre-order, not the Kickstarter people, not the people who backed it. You just talk about the updates. He does updates. He tells you. Yes. Yes. I, I back so much stuff. I'll be honest with you. And I'm going to, this is a true confession. I don't read four to five updates on projects that I get because my main Elmox, Elmox, the hell's an Elmox, my main mailbox for mm-hmm. all this Kickstarter stuff probably gets like four, five, six, seven, eight updates a day from various projects. Right. I, I just don't have the time. I don't get them as much, and they're all coming up this year. So I I get it every once in a while. But yes, Jeff keeps people in the loop. But I'm saying that whole thing about doing the pre-orders after the starter is great because it gives you kind of an insurance on unforeseen things like, oh, the book is now 600 pages. Oh, I forgot. I, I miscalculated the shipping and stuff like that. Well, and it lets bastards like me who couldn't get in at the time get exactly. in. Exactly. I mean, you're going to take a chance just like the Kickstarter backers. I mean, I think the Kickstarter backers taking a bigger chance because it may not fund. But, you know, if he's going to hit you up for another 10 bucks, the book got bigger or something. Hey, you know, that's you want it, you pay it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Anyway, well, you know, pre-order on the page, nice. Who what? <laughs> Sorry, I think I think it's actual pre-order on the page. I was like pretty impressed. Yes, exactly. That's what I was saying. I think more backers ought to do. Or more people who do kickstarters ought to do that. I think that's a very uh, new feature. Yeah, uh, I like it. I, I do like it because it, it and it also makes the Kickstarter a little more credible in people's eyes. And believe me, Definitely. Kickstarters. A lot of Kickstarters need ability. <laughs> believe me. So what were we going to talk about, sci-fi? I hate sci-fi. Yes. Oh, well, okay. We, we totally hate sci-fi, right? Donka hates sci-fi. You can hear it now. Okay, fine. Uh, horror. No. <laughs> sci-fi. Um, actually, it's appropriate because today begins the 
uh, the the toy bullets for the new Star Wars movie. Today is Force Friday too, where all the Last Jedi action figures and paraphernalia is now in retail stores. Oh, oh God, let me run down and send all my money. Hey, 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 hey! I want my Luke Skywalker action figure. You'll get your Luke Skywalker action figure. Just be thankful it's not Christmas time. Well, it's funny, when The Force Awakens came out, I told my wife, I said, look, I don't want a whole lot of Star Wars crap because I know we don't need it, but I'm buying a grumpy old man Luke action figure. It's just a fact. (laughs) Grumpy old Luke. I like that. That's damn cool. It is. Uh, yeah, so that that happened today. I actually, I I have an Audible account. I've been sitting on my Audible credit because I tend to follow all the Star Wars novels. And um, okay, so we're gonna because we are you know heroes bro, and we talk about stuff, and we really don't worry about it. Um, one of the things I really like is the two novels that dropped today. For Star oh. Wars were a novel called Leia, which is obviously about Princess Leia, when mm-hmm. she was 16 and her finding out that her dad is like the, one of the leaders in the alien and how it affects their relationship. And it's really, that's really cool. I think it's an interesting character study. And then they did a, a, a novel on Captain Phasma, the Chrome Stormtrooper. Uh-huh. That's going to be on her background. Now, I, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of politics that flies around in media about diversity and gender inclusion and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And and I like that with star Wars, they do it, but they don't make a big deal out of it. Like Mm -hmm. when the force awakens came out, your three leads were, you know, a woman, an African American man and a Latino man. And they weren't like, look at us. We're putting all these diverse people. in." They're like, yep, these are our characters go. And, and we killed one of the white guys off, so, you know? Well, you know, we know you killed the guy off who wanted to die. Harrison Ford wanted to kill off Han Solo since 1983. I know. I know. But, oh, um, wow. but, like, both of these novels have female leads, but they're not like, ooh, look at us putting women first. They're like, no, here's a novel, here's a character, read it, enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, okay. They're not using it to make a political statement. Well, it fits, really it fits like the that. story. They're, they're making a yes. story to fit the character or finding the character that fits the story. And I will be the first uh, true confession uh, time. I've not seen the new Star Wars movie. Eric? It's not out yet. No, the uh, one, the, the previous one. Oh, oh, Rogue One? or No, yeah, whatever that one was. Well, there's been two of them. Force Awakens. There's been two? Yeah. Oh. Force Awakens and then... Force Awakens and then Rogue One, which was kind of a prequel to... Uh, yeah. what, what, listen, after, like... You know the uh, the what the initial trilogy, which came after the second trilogy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Jar Jar Binks. Uh, mm-hmm. I I Jar Jar Binks killed. No 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 no, no dude dude. No, let's let's not go let's not go down that pit. Dude, Jar Jar Binks. We're not going to Jar Jar Binks road, but I'm telling you, watch Rogue One. Yeah, you should. It will restore. Imagine. A Star Wars movie done in the tone of the Dirty Dozen. Okay, now that well, that actually sounds extremely good and does not compute. The story is basically it's basically how the rebellion got the plans to start. Uh, yep. and no spoilers. It is not that's your as far as I go. It is not your daddy's Star Wars movie. It is all right, so, so, so no jock, yeah, no jock job. There's no judge out there. They haven't. They haven't found them yet. So well, let's put it this way. Thank God. It's the first. It's the first Star Wars movie they've ever done 
where there's not a lightsaber duel in it at all. It's about a, a military team. A bunch of ragtag guys yeah. with blasters. It fits between th- the third one of the first trilogy and the and the you know A New Hope. It fits between there. If you watch, no, it, the, it, the, it, the, it fits between the good movies. Yeah. I, I, well, here's okay. here's how it works. If you watch Rogue One, you could turn Rogue One off, and it literally ends immediately, like minutes before the original Star Wars begins. Yeah. Oh wow! All right, so uh, you sold me. Okay. Okay. Now go oh, forth and watch. It's amazing. It's <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> And, and you, and you find out how and why the deaths are built. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume it's, uh, it's uh, not on Netflix. I'm guessing. No, it is not. All right. All right. I'll, I'll have, uh, I'll, I'll be enjoying well, myself. Since 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 Disney's yanking all their stuff off of Netflix, I don't know if you're going to be able to see it on Netflix. Yeah, I know. I saw that too. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, one thing I wonder about now the the fantasy Star Wars, which I have no experience with. Um, I have a little bit. They they still have the Lucas license. Um, that is correct. Is is Disney leaning as much? on them as Lucas did on the D20 start. Because I remember they had to keep coming out with revisions of the core book because from what I heard, Lucasfilm wanted them to every time they made a change. They wanted um, TSR to no, watch it. No. The way this, the Fantasy the fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG works, and uh-huh. I speak as a freelancer and only as a freelancer, which means I do not know the business going behind the doors. Uh-huh. But there are three core books, but you yeah. don't need all three to play. Each of them can stand alone. One well, they're core different book. section. It, they're treating as different sections of an epic. No, no, not quite. More like different flavors of a setting. Um, okay. Edge of the Empire is if you want to run a campaign that's smugglers and bounty hunters and scumbags, that's Edge of the Empire. If you want to run run a team of rebels who are fighting against the Empire, that's Age of Rebellion. If you want to run Jedi and Force users, that's Force and Destiny. But they are all 100, uh, 100% cross-compatible. So if you yeah. have multiples, you can have a party with a smuggler and a, you know an X-Wing pilot and a Jedi. How so, about a scumbag and, and, Jedi? A what? A scumbag. Yes, there is a template. And they include small elements of the other. Like in Edge of the Empire, you know it's not Jedi-focused. There's a career you can take called Force-Sensitive Exile, where you have a little bit of the Force, but you keep it hidden, and you use it mostly to do, like, stealthy shit and not get noticed. Or Age of Rebellion has Force-Sensitive Emergent, which is, like, think Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. You're not really a Jedi, but you have a strong Force ability, and you're very gung-ho, and let's protect the galaxy. And then Force and Destiny is, like, not only can you be just a Jedi, you can be any kind of force user. And one of the things I love about fantasy blade system, other than the everything is the fact that it is the only system that makes it viable and reasonable to play a dark side character without breaking the game. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess that was one downside of the D six. It was D six and D 20. Both of them. You couldn't be a dark side. If you became dark, you lose your character automatically. Yeah. Which, which is okay with me. I mean, you know, a D six is so good. D6, D6 Star Wars is so good. Oh, and speaking of D6, um, and not, not to shill Fantasy Flight too hard, but they uh, have announced that they are republishing 
the Star Wars role playing game first. Edition I saw that, and I the, saw the source that. book, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" I actually, I oh, I I had copies of those the first week they mm-hmm. came. I remember though, it was the first role playing game I ever played. And wow. um, when they announced that, I sent Sam Stewart, who's head of their RPG department, like a Facebook. Which was like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing that." And Sam's like, "It's cool." And we were really excited. About it, so. Uh, but nice. yeah. yeah, so uh, it's nice of them to show a little love to the to the old school that way. Yeah, I like you, Glenn. Ah, come, on, show, come on, show a little leg. Anyway, uh, do you do you really want me? Listen, me. You don't think send it to me and James because we will show it to you. Um, just as long as James yeah. doesn't show me his pull up. What does James doesn't pull up his shirt? I'm fine. As long as I don't pull a Frank. As long as I don't pull an introducing Frank Menser. Oh my God! <laughs> Still then. But that's interesting because it's all it's so so Fantasy Flight it's all the same engine. Uh, yes, all which, three systems are the same engine. So if a new movie comes out and they did change some stuff, it'd be very easy to change like one part of it. Well, what you know? they have started doing now is they have started. Uh, they just announced the first and then what they're calling era source books, which work with all three, but are different uh-huh. time periods. The game defaults to the classic trilogy, and right. they just announced Dawn of Rebellion. Which is set during like Rogue One and the Rebels cartoon series. So, but there's no mechanical changes. So it's like here's what you can add to go with that flavor. And I'm sure that that's the kind of thing that you know. There's so many different eras in Star Wars that the canon has gone in. Oh heck yeah! I mean, hurts my head. This is why I just sort of like not me. I'm eating it up with a spoon. Me, me. It's like I'll just follow the movies. I'll just follow the movies. I'm fine. I can't take. I mean, I have watched uh, some Clone Wars, the uh, the 3D animated one, and we did have both volumes of the uh, the original animated Clone Wars, which is I thought was incredible. Um, I but think that's really about awesome. it. Yeah, the Jenny Tarkaday, whatever his name is. Yeah, the, the, the Samurai Jack guy. Yeah, the original, the original, and it's wow. Mace Windu just took out an entire squad of. Imperial slugs, the weird and a big machine. <laughs> the weird thing about the Star Wars role playing that Fantasy Flight put out is, yeah, it's it's more narrative based. It's not as crunchy, and it uses unique non numeric dice, which scares the hell out of everyone, including me at first. Non numeric like, oh, dice. Me too. What what no. fate, like fate dice with pluses and minuses on them? No. Okay. Basically, you have D6s, D12s, and D8s. And you have, uh, and there's two sets of them. And you have a D6 that's blue and a D6 that's black. A D6, a D8 that's, that's purple and a D8 that is green. And then you have a D12 that is yellow and a D12 that's red. Okay. <clears throat> the blue, the green, and the yellow represent dice for players when they make a skill roll or do something. The other dice represent dice that cancel those results based on the difficulty of a situation. Okay, now, that, is, that is weird. It is weird. It's When you read it, you're like, this is never going to work. And you play it, and you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Because what happens is it creates a situation where there's more than just a success-failure rate. It's not uh-huh. just you succeed or you fail. But, like, you could succeed at a role, but something complication comes up. Or you could fail at a role, but something good unrelated to the that's, that that, comes up. That's that's like the, the fate dice with the plus minus. Yeah, you know, you got a, you, well, you got a basic skill or stat or whatever you're doing. 
you roll 46 with the plus minus, the pluses are plus one, the minuses are minus one, and the blank sides are zero. So you got the plus minus right there, just like you were talking. So like with Fantasy Flight, what happens is you have um, uh, successes and failures, you have a threat and advantage, and then you have Uh despair and triumph. Success and failure is exactly that, success or failure. Threat and advantage, or threat and advantage are, I've just made the situation better. That's outside mm-hmm. my success or failure, or I've just made the situation worse outside my success or failure. And mm-hmm. triumph and despair is, I just did something really, really cool, or oh god, something really horrible just happened. A good right. example of, and the thing is, you can have a despair and still succeed. So, like for example, in the movies, when in the original film, when Han and or when Luke and Leia are trying to run away from the stormtroopers. And they get mm-hmm. to the door, and Luke's like, Leia's like, we got to close it. And Luke, and she goes, there's no lock. And so what happened was the DM looked at Luke's player and said, all right, make me a mechanics roll. Luke might have rolled three successes and mm-hmm. a despair. And so the DM goes, all right, you lock the door, but to do it, you blasted it and destroyed the lock. The door slammed shut. Unfortunately, you just destroyed the controls to get across the bridge. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, so, uh, so, so, so it lets you, the thing it does, at least in the experience, and I ran the game for about a year and a half and just ended about three months ago. Everybody looks at everybody else's dice roll because you're like, oh God, what's going to happen next? Right. But it is distinctly not old school. I will say that it's very narrative. It's very, it, it, it takes a session or two to wrap your head around. And the fact that each core book is 60 bucks and a set of dice is 15 requires a lot of player faith. Kind of like 5e. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, dollars and cents. Price well, even, even 5e, you can buy PHB right. and, and go with it, or you can just get the free rules online. Fantasy Flight Star Wars does not offer PDFs, period, end of story. So if you see PDFs out there, they were pirated. Okay, that's too bad. Because I demand, I pretty much anymore when I buy a print, I demand a PDF. I don't know why, and I because I've freelance online, I can't speculate as to why they went went that route. But um, I can understand there could be reasons why or things tied to agreements made. Yeah, well, possibly. Well, you don't, you can't speculate, but I'm going to speculate based upon which is the coast's initial reluctance. Remember when they uh, the, did the Great Purge way back in the day and pulled all the PDFs from one bookshelf? Yes. And then when 5e came out, there wasn't initially going to be anything in PDF. And they were trying to find ways to distribute the material electronically where they controlled not only the distribution method, but uh-huh. the method to read the electronic format. Uh, that was like Project Morningstar, which crashed and burned. And oh, like, they didn't want to go the PDF route. There. They initially didn't because here's the thing with PDFs. Yes, people they, they wanted their own proprietary reader, so they could control the sharing of the control, the access right. to it, to make sure you know one person doesn't download and share it to nineteen thousand others. However, the truth of the matter is, uh, and this is my opinion. PDF is PDF piracy is piracy. It is theft, but I don't think it is uh, necessarily a lost sale. If somebody uh, downloads, I don't know, uh, let's say Rap and Athok for Swords of Wizardry in PDF, and 
15,000 PDFs that suddenly reached them, reached people's, you know, collections. How many of them are actually reading it? How many of them are actually looking? I grabbed the PDF. I shoved it in my hard drive and it's probably going to sit there. Now you might make a few sales from people who like the PDF and are actually going to buy the hard copy. I don't think you'll ever get somebody who pirates a PDF to actually buy the PDF because if they're going to pirate a PDF, they're not looking to pay my personal opinion on that. But I, I don't necessarily see uh, a pirated PDF being a loss of sales one, one-on-one. It, yeah, it, okay. isn't, it doesn't quite match up. That I, I can't, I can't. Well, I understand what you're saying, but to me, PDF has value and use beyond just getting it to read. Well, and I understand that. And, and but again, if, if there are 1 million copies of this PDF out there, those 1 million people are not using it or reading it. They're, they're, it's True. Okay. Those aren't I mean, 1 million. No. You, you weren't going to sell it to a million people. Right. Okay. That, that's what uh, now, but that's why T. That's why Witches of the Coast didn't want to go PDF. Now they've embraced it. Now they're going back and they they are releasing PDFs and in print on demand of older other, era old stuff. stuff. Yeah. Now, when it comes to Star Wars, where Fantasy Flight has the rights to publish the material, um, if this stuff started going viral in PDF, that doesn't just hurt fantasy flight it hurts lucas slash disney uh there's a whole perception involved there too so you don't want your i you you don't want your ip suddenly flying in the wild and like like i said i I can't i i won't speak to specifics of it because that's why i wouldn't let you i don't and i'm i'm speaking out of my ass folks so you're generally speaking if i speak uh you know flatulent followers i speak flatulent I'll say this: as a creator, I am against pirating PDFs. It bothers me on principle um, because people work really hard to do that crap, and most most PDFs are reasonably priced. That, um, that is correct, and most. Uh, like, like, most. What, I, what I love with Frog Guy Games is if you buy the print product, you get the PDF. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that, I think it should be that way. I mean. I, I, Granted, my, my situation is a little more unusual because a viewer, and that's why you have, so I can do screen captures and show you, and then I have the physical book where I can put it on camera and say, this is what you're getting right here. Plus, most most people would be using it for like, oh, they put a, a character sheet in the book. If I got the PDF, I could just print off of that. So, <laughs> and and yeah. I've done that. I've abused my work printer and taken an entire PDF and printed it out and slapped it in a binder, and that's just as valid. If you paid for that PDF, as long as you're not selling those, reselling those pages you printed out, you have the right to do what you want with it. Hey, that's yeah. that's half a Lulu right there. You know, if you're doing it for yourself, go for it, you know? Yeah, what's the statute of limitations on that, James? Because I'm not saying well, I did or didn't do that when I was working but uh, what's the statute? Uh, on, on what? Uh, I, I'm using my department-owned printer and department-owned paper to possibly print Oh, you're retired. Out. Did they, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, right. I think I, what was it? I printed out, I printed out like a 250-page rulebook at work once. I printed out the... the um... I, I printed out the uh, Savage World first edition, and I actually, you know, bound it with uh, those, like, you know, when you were in college and you had, like, the, uh, the clear folder mm-hmm. and like that little that little black plastic to go around the binding on it i had to put it in like you know, in like two halves my god mm-hmm. i still had it up in the poconos that the was like bathroom reading I, for years 
You know that you know the the the, the working copy of Galaxy Edition that I was toting around at Texas. That was printed out at work. Yeah, that was printed out at work, guys. Yeah, guys. I'm gonna do us a favor on cutting this. <laughs> you think? Do you really? You really? You want that kind of evidence? <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I really don't care either. I mean, my, my job's not gonna track me down for uh, stealing. Uh, no, I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking of your jobs. I was thinking of the publishers or whoever wants to come after you. With- well, you're allowed to print out a PDF. Well, I printed out something that I wrote, so I think I'm Okay, good. well, well, yeah, you're good. And I printed out a PDF that I actually purchased. Yeah, you purchased the right. PDF, and you, like I said, you do. You have the right to print it out for personal use. Right. You know how now, often now, I walk now, into Office Depot to print something out, and like every 10th to 15th time, they'll ask me if I have permission to do this. Well, well, here's the thing. And, they, won't even let, they won't even let me print things at um, Office Max. They'll be just like, no. And I'll be like, but I wrote it. No. No, but I'm saying these people never. Oh, well, here's the <laughs> thing. Like, when when uh, Layout commences on uh, Continual Light, sort of yeah. like Continual Light next week with uh, Zach doing this online with me, this is going to be bizarre. But uh, I want to make sure that there is right there where the first page Permission is granted to print this for personal use. Right. So, because Dude, I've even had them turn crap like that down. Because back to Fantasy Flight, uh, one of their their specializations have like like talent trees. Like you take an ability and it opens up a pathway to other abilities. And at the bottom of those those specific pages, permission granted to photocopy this page for personal use. Right. And they've still gone, no, we won't do it. That, wow. that That's kind of... Buggles. That, that's somebody being a jerk. Yeah. Somebody trying to cover their butt, basically. <laughs> um, I understand that, though. But anyway, the, the so the Fantasy Flight is not available PDF, which is interesting. D6 is. Uh, <laughs> um, well, that that's a whole another strange, strange thing. Yeah, because the whole you get the whole D6 system for free. Right, but Star Wars system, yes, Wars, but not, not, Star Wars is not that. What, what's available yeah. for right now in PDF yeah. for Star Wars is it's fan material, and yeah. the legality of that is we're not even gonna. You know, what I thought was interesting. I used to have a PDF uh, D6 Fantasy Adventure and Space, and if you look in the Space book, it's almost Star Wars with the serial numbers followed. It, it, it is pretty much. Is. It pretty much is. <laughs> Yeah, D6 space. It, yeah. it definitely is. That is that is. Well, I think the D6 adventure is pretty much Indiana Jones with the serial numbers filed off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, but well, anyway, but now before we drop this topic, which we're all, does anybody besides me remember when Drive Through RPG and RPG Now were separate companies, and Drive Through would give away like a free game, like in PDF every week or two. And but it was always locked down. It was a locked down PDF that you had to like, you know, put like a password in to freaking read it. And that's how my gamma world. No, I, oh, I remember that. I don't. That, I don't remember that. No. Yeah. I don't remember. When, I don't remember when they were separate companies. I thought uh, they were always one. I know they were, they I were separate. When, I remember when they were separate. I wasn't really doing the PDF thing then, but I didn't get involved in in OBS until after they merged and became OBS. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I still remember your game. What's it, your games now? Yep. Yeah. Oh wow, that's going back a ways. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. We're old. We're we're old grognards here. But, you know, any anything anything, any turn of the millennium forward, 
I have a hard time dealing dealing with people saying, "Oh, that was a long time ago." No, it wasn't. Well, think about it this way: it, it was almost twenty years ago. We're seventeen almost, years ago. It yeah. was almost in two thousand eighteen, so it's almost twenty years ago, and you're still in the two thousands. Wow. True. True. So, I mean, to me, nineteen eighty play. So, well, seventy five was. That was the year I graduated high school. I wasn't even born yet. I was nowhere near born. You know, I, I graduated uh, eighty five. Ninety-seven. I graduated uh-huh. seventy-five. Oh, yeah, seventy-five. Voted again. Yeah, in eighty-one. Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, there we we're go. just we're just establishing we're old. Um, Except for James, but he's just a baby. I'm Joe, almost sixteen. I'm almost forty. Good. Oh for my you. god. Good for you. Yeah, I remember I turned forty, and I was like, "Oh my god, I turned forty! How horrible is that?" And then I turned fifty, and I was like. AARP, here I come. You know what's funny? I wouldn't go back to my 20s again, like for almost anything. I've had a good time in my 30s. I think my 40s are going to be great, but my 20s just sucked. Well, you're role playing now. That's why it's great. No, no, so. no. I was playing enough PD back then, <laughs> but in my 20s, I felt like everyone expected me to act like an adult, but I had no idea how. Yeah, that's well, yeah. Well, yeah, welcome to my world. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out, and I'm Steve. So, you know. But at least, but at least you're honest, dude. Anyway, anyway, let me bring up another talking point. Um, and we talked about that. We started. You started talking. What do you? I'm going to go with modules. What do you look for in a module for a game? Things I can use, steal. If, if, okay, but not literally if, steal because we already discussed the pirates. Yes, yes. Yeah. Things that I can I can cannibalize into my own campaign without using the whole damn thing. Okay. Have you ever used an entire verbatim? Oh, oh, yeah, plenty of times. Um, uh, Keep on the Borderlands is pretty much here's the campaign in 28 pages. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Castle Ravenloft, I've run complete. I've run a fair amount of AD&D first ed modules uh, as written. Um, I tend to, I tend to like, you know, I, I tend to take the module. Chunks of it will end up in my campaign. If I if I can if I can smush it in there, you know what I mean? Smush. You like that word, don't you, Derek? Um, smush. I sh- oh, no. I, I prefer smear. I got a little. Sh- I, I, sh- nice- I smear it into my campaign like that. You like know, on like like on a nice New York bagel, a big smear. Yeah. That's yeah. the way you like it. Castles and Crusades. Um, I, they ended up going from the Caves of Chaos to something I did to the Isle of Dread. See, that's one of my favorite it ways to hex. That's one of my favorite ways to hex crawlers. You set up your hex map and you go, this module's here, this module's here, this module's here, this module's here, right. campaign seeds, and then you don't have to do any work as a DM. Well, you have to read the modules, but you know, that's well, yeah. But I, I it's funny because um in about not this Monday, but the Monday after, um, our Monday game is gonna start and I'm gonna be uh GMing Tells and Trolls. And I think I'm gonna try my cattle drive idea where they're hired as scouts for a cattle drive that's going from west to east to deliver cattle and i'm going to use i'm going to do as a hex crawl see that's cool that's a really good way to do a hex crawl because nobody thinks about that you know yeah you know because i just the caravan and it's like no there are more than caravans going across the you know wilderness right and it's going to be like caravans and about and what's interesting i just i just printed out a map and go, okay, they're going to, I said, okay, they're going to start here, they're going to get hired here, and they're going to go all the way to the other side, 
to where they have to deliver the cattle, and then they're going to go up north to deliver the rest of the stuff. And I'm just looking at all these hexes and go stuff that they can run into. Well, and then uh, there's the thing is their their monetary reward could be based on how much of the cattle survive. Yeah, I, I've already got this neat idea, and I hope they don't. I hope my players don't listen. But in the middle of my world, the there's this mountain range called the Dragon Blood Mountains that cuts it in not in half, but about two thirds of it. And there's one pass called Dragon Pass. And the way they're going, they're going to have to really... First of all, how do you get cattle over a... You can go through a pass. That's fine. There's got to be a but, either an underpass or an overpass. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to arrange it so either they have right away or they get they find an old abandoned... Think of Moria. That's what I was thinking. Think, thinking of, it, think of running cattle through the mines of Moria. Well, I was thinking, how hard would it be to push a herd of cattle through a 10 by 10 hallway that's, you know, 10 foot wide, 10 foot high, yeah. and 50 feet wide? But you remember those huge, gigantic hallways that I mentioned? I go, yeah, you can run 150 heads right cattle with room to spare. Yeah, but then you got to get them to cross the Bridge of Casa Doom, which is wide enough for... Well, it's not going to be a litter. It's, well, it's going to be that size, but that's, that's Sacrifice it. a few cattle, you're fine. But that's what I'm saying. Is that's the fun part. All right, guys, you got the cattle almost all the way across. There's a bridge wide enough for one person with no rails on either side. How are Plus, you going to convince the cow to cross that? Because the cow is going to get to the edge and go, nope. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm basically going to keep it keep it like level and, and big enough for them to get through. But you've got all plus behind the cattle are like, is like a, a small merchant caravan that has to get through. And what if you've got like tricks, traps, you know, and all these guys, they're the scouting party. They have to, they have to go through them first and figure out, you know, the logistics of getting a, a herd of cattle and a merchant caravan through the mine. And it's like, if that ain't trouble, I don't know what is. That's a good seed. That's a really good seed. I got the idea from, I told you before, at uh, North Texas, I got practically all the series of the Hexcrawl Chronicles from uh, from Frog God. Oh, yeah. And I'm reading through them where they, they, they just outline like about 50 to 100 hexes in a like 1,000 hex map of an area. And it's like, I could just pull these, you know, just cherry pick whatever I want and put it into them and oh, see yeah. what happens. You know, I mean, you know, I, I it, with with that and wandering, I'm set, and that's the kind of thing I like to pick out of as far as running a campaign. You know, for a module for my campaign. Like I said, I, I it's not that I, I'm it's not that I'm against running one. I'm not against running one. You know, a to, a to z. You know, that kind of thing. It just doesn't work that way. Way I do. I am. Um, I just don't have time to prep the way I used to. Exactly. That's another reason. You know, I um I actually recently um I actually disbanded my local I left my local group just because long story, but uh-huh. um one of the things I do for my groups, I'm I like to think of myself as a generous GM. If I'm running a game, particularly an OSR game, and a lot of my game gamer friends aren't part of the OSR and don't really know what it's about, they just know I run old D D. Right. right. I bought six soft cover copies of White Box Fantastic Mini World Adventure Game because here, now you have a copy. Right. Um, not that any of them ever read it, but that's just me. Um, 
<laughs> oh my god! Oh, not dude, bit, dude, okay. not bitter, not bitter. <laughs> no, no. Beamer rant coming in. Here it comes. Incoming. Do it. Just do it. I love it. Do it. This this eighteen month Star Wars game I ran. I had three players in the group, which is fine. It worked well for the game. Uh-huh. I bought every single one of them a sixty dollar core book out of my own pocket. Ooh. One of them read it at all. The other two would only pull it out at game and use it to write on when they had their character. Use it as a back for their character sheet. And would ask me things like, what's the role for that again? For basic roles in the system. And I was just, by the time, I was so mad because I'm like, you have a rule book in your hand. Mm-hmm. But, but, asking, but you want me to read it? Can you read it to me? Okay, and continuing the rant. That's part of the problem I have with the D twenty system. Everything became D twenty in the you know early two thousands, right? And so nobody had to read a rule book. Everybody learned how the D twenty system worked. Everything was almost almost everything was put under D twenty, and it made for let me get get off my lawn. It made for lazy gamers because when we were kids, oh, you want to play D anD D second edition? Here's the rules for D anD D second edition. You want to play Star Wars D six? Here's a separate set of rules for that. You want to play Shadow Run? Separate set of rules for that. Champion, separate set of rules for that. Hero, player, exactly. whatever. And but but that was the expectation, and that was the understood investment by everyone at the table. Nowadays, when I got to learn a new system, I don't want to learn a new system. Shut up and suck it up, cupcake. Take twenty minutes and read a damn book. Well, Nowadays, especially if somebody's going to give you the damn book and say, here, I'm making a $180 investment into this group. Here's a six. I don't even give my own damn parents this much of, of a gift. Here's a $60 book. You know what? Why don't you at least skim it? You, could you do it? Could you fake a cliff notes on this? Could, could you read the three pages of basic rules and the two pages on your class? Oh, you can't be bothered to do that? Damn it. I, I ran a Savage... This is funny. Um, I ran a Savage Worlds game using Thrilling Tales, which is best... That's, a, fun, that's a great setting. Exactly. Awesome. Now, one of my one of my players... Um, they, none of them have played Savage Worlds before. Okay, fine. I can deal with that. Because I wanted to sit down and make... I'm sorry, this is... No, this is 50 Fathoms. I'm sorry. Excuse me. 50 Fathoms. Um... One of my players, I had the 50 Fathoms book. I had the rule book there. I walked them through um, character generation. I even had a cheat sheet for them. And you know how different you do different extras and all this other stuff in Savage Worlds. We were an hour and a half in his character because he wanted to understand the game and every single option he had with his character. It's like, dude, you're pirates. What do you need to know? Just pick something that's that's you know that suits you. No, no, no. I got to read through all these uh, these edges and hinges. God, that's the if, fun. I, if I take one handed, but I put a claw on, can I change that for a musket? Exactly. He was trying. I mean, this is not the time to min max. <laughs> Listen, just because of the topic, I've now opened up a Saranac Summer Pills because I need a beer. Holy crap! I. Thank God I'm starting the Thursday. I kick off a Swords and Wizardry Light campaign at my friendly local game store, Legendary Realms, out in Plainville, uh-huh. New York. Uh, it'll be every other Thursday, what the first and the third of each month. 
And uh, it's Swords and Witchery Light. Most of my players from the old AD&D 1E group already have copies of Swords and Witchery Light, which I handed out. It's four freaking pages. Uh, I don't expect too many questions. Only two, only the front and back of which you need to play. Right, right. And, and, oh, oh, and of course, the sheet of optional rules so they can, if they want to take uh, classes from Continual Light, they'll have it available. And if and when we get to, you know, moving on to level four, I'll give them all copies of Continual Light. But if anybody, I I don't have a problem with the rules question, but somebody goes, well, I didn't, I didn't read it and it's four pages. The cop in me is going to come out, and uh, I won't be playing good cop. Uh-huh. Uh, and I and I won't have my bat, my nightstick with me or, or my baton, so I won't be able to give any wood shampoos out. But believe me, the verbal berating will be worth it. bullets, rubber bullets, intense. Yes. Rubber. As, as 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 my son told me when he was ten, and I caught him dropping the f bomb, and I asked him, "What are you going to do when somebody asks you where you learned that?" And he goes, "Mommy." I was like, "Thank God." And he goes, but if, they, but if they ask me how I learned how to use it, I'm going to say my dad because nobody curses like you do. He goes, you, he goes, you make it really special. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. I guess it is, but you know, yeah. You're special, Eric. Hey. <laughs> but this actually goes to the what's had me irritated all week is like DMs and GMs work really hard. Uh-huh. when they, you know, build a game. And I, I feel like, I think uh, the grumpy old grogs like us, we, we know uh-huh. that and we recognize that and that's cool. Um, But nowadays people just, these damn young kids these days, not all of them, but enough of them for it to piss me off. Um, Certainly mm-hmm. it seems like more more do this than not show up and expect to be entertained. They do not need right. to invest. They don't put time or effort. Okay, what do I do? Okay, how do I make a character? You've had two weeks or a week to to think about this, to do any kind of internet research to get a sense of the system, even if you don't own a book. Um, you know, Or if I'm running an OSR game, I'm really quick to give out books because a lot of publishers are, are or, you know, and they just don't, they don't try. I had a guy at work, this nice guy, nice guy. love him to death. Dumber than a sack of hammers. Um, wow. He, that's blunt. I, I'm sorry, man. He, whew, nice guy, but stupid. <laughs> um, you like that Glenn. Good, good, good. He, um, he found out I was a game designer and, you know, that I had worked on, you know, my own stuff and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. And he was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Da, 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 da. And he wants to run his own D&D game for his friends. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And he's like, well, so I've started doing, you know, and, and we he was playing in the lab before game I was running. Mm-hmm. And for at least seven times, he asked me, what book do I need to get for this? Oh, and I Lord. said, it's called Labyrinth Lord and it's free. And he's like, and what book did you write? I said, I wrote a, several books. So he went and he's like, wait, is this the Labyrinth Lord book? And it's like one of my $1 classes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Hero's Journey, same thing as Labyrinth Lord? No. No. And, it finally, and then he, he said, well, I decided I'm going to run like a, get a, I decided I want to run a group, a game for a group of my friends. And I picked up the 5e starter box. And I'm like, great. It's a great place to start. It's a great resource. It's a good box set. And he's like, I don't know how to use it. And I was like, read it. He's yeah. like, but... 
So he so says, like, so I've been flipping through it, and I, I want to run games like you do with all this like political stuff in this world. But then I was like, no, run the module. And he's like, but I want to do it like you do. I was like, dude, I've been playing these games for 30 years. Stop it. you got to walk where you can run. And he said, well, uh-huh. how, how do I do this with Labyrinth Lord? And I was like, what? No. And finally, poor kid. And I said, kid, he's in his 20s. He, um, he comes out to me one day, and he, 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 I'm sitting there reading, like, on my Kindle, like, obviously reading, you know. When you see somebody obviously reading, I find it really rude to just walk up to them and start talking to them. And he comes up to me, and he sees me, and he goes, hey, James. And I looked at him, and I said, if it's about gaming, I don't care. I've given wow. you the resources, the links, the websites, and told you what you need to read. You need to figure it out on your own. You're wow. an old meanie. And he he like shriveled like a wilted flower, the poor kid. Because wow. I've never been like snappy with him. But it's just, how old is he? In his mid twenties, twenty five. Uh, he, he wasn't. It. He wasn't like a ten year old kid. If it's ten year old kid or you know fifteen year old kid, I understand. Yeah, he's yeah. And I was just like, I was like, God, I've turned into an angry old grognard. What happened? But oh, I'm, let me tell you, there's certain people that will just. They're stupid, and they, it, it's not its not even ignorant. It's not even... No, I don't think he, he means well. Stupid. He, <laughs> um, I don't think it's... It's its not I'm stupid and I'm like it. It's that um, I've engaged in far too many recreational pharmaceutical activities. Um, but, like, he means well, and he's earnestly interested, and that's okay. nice. Okay. But if you're, if you're genuinely interested, then you need to pursue it of your own initiative. Yeah, it doesn't understand the, you know, buy-in, the, the, the time, the time put in to actually sit down and read this. Right. And like, and yeah. I think the part of it is, and this is not really their fault, is a lot of younger gamers, when they come to the hobby and they game with people who have been doing it for a long time, they're afraid they're going to quote unquote, do it wrong. And like, right. there is, there is no real doing it wrong. Right. Because you're going to make mistakes your first time out. You know, I had a buddy of mine who I've been gaming with for 10 years, and we were talking. He wants to run a game, and he's he reads books, and he's he, he tries. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want to make mistakes. Like, you never make mistakes. I was like, dude, last session, let me tell you about the seven mistakes I made that you guys never knew about. You know, and I went down yeah. the list, of, you know, and they're like, well, how did, how did, how come we didn't know? It was like, because you didn't need to. You yep. went into the plot, and we kept going. Behind the screen. Yep, that's right. You learn. You learn to make corrections on the fly. I think with the greatest skill you learn from gaming is how to improvise. Exactly. I've done it many a time. It's a bit of a sweat, but it works. And a lot of times, oh, yeah. if I, a lot of times, if somebody catches me flat-footed, whatever comes out is usually better than what I had down here on the paper. So mm-hmm. I, I, I never, I never. It's not like I don't, I mean, I'm a lazy DM, you know, like the, the classic lazy DM, but it's not like I don't prep at all. But, you know, you got to prep some. You got to know yeah. which direction you're going yeah. in. But at the same time, you know, if the players throw you a curve or the scenario throws you a curve or life throws you a curve, compensate and go with it. I have what I call yeah. campaign in a bag. Uh-huh. I actually keep the multiple copies of White Box I have. Um, the White Box, Omnibus, uh, uh, Majestic Wilderlands, uh, and a few I other. love Majestic Wilderlands. It's great. And, um, but I keep them in a bag with a set of dice. 
and right. I can pick it up and a, and a stack of character sheets and a hammer dog screen with the inserts. That way, I can literally somebody go, "Hey, let's do a campaign." Boom. That's it. That ten like minutes. Because I've, that I've read like my bag of holding. Mm-hmm. Because I've read these modules or wrote them in some cases. I've read this material. I know it. Here's a book for you to reference. Let's go. And I think people who are less experienced find that like intimidating. It's called it's yeah. It's called a back hip pocket adventure. Yeah, you always yeah. get it in your hip pocket. Exactly, and it's not that it's intimidating. It, it seems to me them, but to us, it's not because we use these ultra rules light systems, and we have twenty, thirty years of familiarity with their bases. You know what's sitting in my bag of holding right now? Besides you already mentioned, is a is a printed off copy from the PDF of the Holmes Dungeon, the BX Dungeon, and the Menser Dungeon. From the from the sets, Fantastic. and I leave them in there, and I yeah. leave them in there. Yeah, because you can just grab and go. That's right. So basically, right. between the Fantastic Medieval Adventure, the Omnibus, and Majestic Wilderlands, I have a campaign setting, three adventures, optional rules, and rules from mm-hmm. base rules ready to go. Uh, my my rule cycle probably seen it the denim cover, the uh, pocket in the front. Guess what goes in the pocket? All three of those. And a few, and a couple of blank character sheets, which I think actually, besides just ranting all night, one of the things that we could bring up that I would really advise is take a module that's low level or first level that you know like the back of your hand and stick it in a bag with your favorite rule set. Exactly. And you can what we just said. Yeah. Well, but, but people were like, "Oh, that sounds really cool." We'll do it because then, you know, oh, I want to know what D and D is like. Here, let me sit down and introduce you to the glory of D and D. Um, and, I, and as much as it frustrates me to give people books and have them not read them, I still do it because if somebody takes that, how cool was it when you were a kid? And I mean, like, I mean, we were young when we all started, but you, you, you read through these rules and you, all the adventures and the ideas just start playing through your head and you're just like, oh, wow, I could do this. I could do this. Wouldn't it be cool to do this? And that to me is what really hooks people into gaming is when you read, you know, your rule book and then the the concept of infinite potential and, oh, my God, I could do any cool thing. What if I did this? What if I made a character like this? What if you want an adventure like that? That was me and my first copy of Champion. It was me with Star Wars D6. It was me with my rule cyclopedia. The rule cyclopedia was the first set that I would think of as my set. That's, that's, yeah. that's how young I And that was 91. But I spent four years before that making countless Star Wars characters and because I didn't have anybody to play with. Uh-huh. I would just be like, oh, man, what if I made a Jedi? And he went like this, and I made a pilot. My other thrill is reading the rules and stuff and understanding them and then going to the game table and seeing them in action for the first time. Oh, yeah. That's that's how I learned to really love spellcasters, when you start learning the rules well enough to cast spells as they cast them sideways. You know, everyone, <laughs> well, like, a good example, in 2nd edition AD&D, Monster Summoning 1 is a third-level spell. It lasts one round mm-hmm. per level. You mm-hmm. summon a couple one-hit-die monsters. Okay, that can be useful. Or you could cast Mount, which is a first-level spell that summons a two-hit-die horse that lasts for an hour per level. You cast Mount in the middle of a bar fight, you won. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's a but good that's, use. Wow, I never, yeah. But that's just it. You're like, wait a minute. Based on this, I could do this with a spell. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> My God. That's damn good. That is damn. I'm going to write that one down. I, would be a a I had a, um, a wizard who would, 
Like we were, we were, I was like a first or second level wizard and we were fighting like 30 goblins. We'd gotten pinned on this cliffside by goblins. I was like, guys, I got this. I only need two spells. I'm like, what do you need? I need light and I need cloud of fog. They're like, what? You don't need to sleep? I was like, no, fuck that. So what I did was I went to the top of the mountain and I cast light right above my head so they saw me. And I uh-huh. waved at them like, hey, come get me. And then when they started to charge at me, because we knew they didn't have ranged weapons, I cast cloud of, I cast fog cloud. And I jumped off the edge of the cliff and kind of held off to the side, and they all charged over the side, and most of them died. Uh-huh. If you like 15, 20 goblins that way. Uh-huh. Like, but that's what happens when you start learning your rule systems. Hey, I could do this, and this would be cool. And, you know, and that's not just for wizards. That can be any class. Oh, I'm a fighter, and, you know, well, if I use daggers, I can get multiple attacks, and I can actually take out multiple people, or I can have a ranged and a melee weapon at the same time, and it's so light, and I don't have to lug around a sword, you know, or, ooh, I can put these kind of tricks on my arrows, you know. Right, or, you right. Know, and, and thieves are made for that kind of thing. This is how creativity happens. Things like, okay, if find your move traps works for finding and removing traps, if you look at him, hey, can I use that to set traps too? Can I use open locks to lock doors behind me that I don't have a key for? You know, and, and to me, that's a perfectly reasonable extension. You start thinking beyond the rules as they're written. And that's where it starts getting really fun. And I think when you don't read the rules, you never get that. You expect it all to be handed to you. Yeah. What you can do. You know, it's the old computer game. All right, I got options one through four. Which key do I hit? No. Okay. I hit seven and then something interesting happens. You know, and I think if you don't read your rules, you don't get confident in them. And then Mm -hmm. you're not willing to take those kinds of risks. You've got to know know it well enough to make a character, do some combat play. Then you go back after the game. Okay, I made a wizard. I've got these spells. Maybe he'll let me trade out this spell for that spell because it'd be Mm -hmm. more effective. Ooh, what can I do with this in the next fight? Ooh, that's neat. That kind of thing. And another thing I have found, I, I don't know if you guys had this problem when you were younger, but I noticed it among our gamers is if they die, they feel like they lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, like, to me, if you die, well, you died. Okay, no big deal. Make another character. But, you know, a good character death can be fun. It could. Definitely. It could. I mean, I... Oh, God. 12 Years of Champions. Could just flash back to me. Um, yeah, and not only, not only die, try and capture a party sometime. See, oh, I'm, my re- I'm really loath to, to capture parties and, and cast hold spells on them. Because one thing for me in game is I want my players to have agency. Well, I, I always give them agency, but I, I'd actually rather give them a TPK than than chain them up. And they, because the TPK, they'll they'll uh, they're like, well, we 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 died a valiant death, as opposed to did you uh, really? Well, as opposed to being like, I lost all my, and now I have to worry about what I mean. And it's one thing to kick a campaign off with people, uh, you know chained up or whatever and that's how you're kicking it off but to, well that's one thing but to to do that to the party i can't i i couldn't man i'd, I'd rather i'd rather yeah, kill the same boat i'm gonna say like you know what module i hate i hate it slave lords because it starts out with them mid-level on a boat with their getting tossed in the ocean and to me that's a giant and it's not yeah. fair to the players now, admittedly, it was a convention module, so it got converted to a player campaign module 
The conversion yeah, really I, wasn't I, great I, yeah. to ask me, but yeah. I buy my I can I don't have problem modules where you start in a dungeon with nothing and you're a zero character. You don't even know what the hell's going on at first. Then you, I mean if you're working zero to first level, I can do that once in a while. I have no problem See, with that. And I think that's I think it's one of the strengths of DCC. I like the way DCC starts out. Here, you're a yeah. mook. Or not being a mook. Yeah, the character funnel. Nah, yep. I just don't like the way they do it. That's all. <laughs> See, I, I happen to like it. And I get why people some people like it and some people don't. But um, I, I think it's a definitely a clever mechanic, and I think it it makes being a warrior or being a magic user something special. Yeah, true. Definitely, definitely true. Anyway, kind of run out, didn't we? No, I don't think we ran out. I think we keep on going, but I think we got to run yeah, out. Because, uh, yeah, we got to run out eventually. Yeah, yeah we. Yeah, uh, we, I think I, I think we're gonna have to declare this the uh, the tap out time. I think, I think we should call this. Around. I think we should call this Last call, night. people. I think this episode should be called 1975. Oh Lord! Uh, and now, are we going to do it like you know 1975 or with Roman numerals? Uh, <laughs> let's just do regular because I still can't read Roman numerals properly if they get too long. All right, 1975. It is. I'll let you guys figure that out. Um, and I have no problem with that. So I guess we should say last call and. Uh, James? It is definitely last Take call. Take us home. All right, it's last call. Get your dish up and get on out of here. All right, you can't, you can't take them outside because we need the glasses, so uh, yeah. I'll finish it here. Yeah, uh, we'll, give, we'll give you a sponge on the way. A sponge? <laughs> there we go. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, suck, suck on this. <laughs> you bastards, get out of here. Yes. I mean, wait, where's, that, where's my tip, damn it? Where's my tip? All right. Yeah. Uh, Good. Can I piss in the wind? Yeah, there you go. Good night, folks. Or don't piss in your friend. How about that? Goodbye. Put your friend in the wind. Good night, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Heroes Brew theme provided by the Lonely Mountain Band. Check them out on Facebook or at lonelymountain.guiltlaunch.com. If you have any questions or comments, email us at heroesbrewpodcast at gmail.com. Last call. See you next time at Tinker's Tavern, where you can always get a pint of Heroes Brew. <laughs>